Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. In a world on the brink of disruption, two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me the Crypto with your hosts, Wade Patterson and Ulf Lonegren. Well, hi there and welcome to Show Me the Crypto. My name is Wade Patterson. And I'm Ulf Lonegren. We're a couple of friends from Canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and we're happy you're along for the ride. Whether you're a crypto virgin or you know your way around the block, we hope our interviews with some of the most intelligent and influential people in the blockchain space help deliver you with value. And on this episode, we're joined by Alex Masmejan, co-founder and CEO of Showtime. Alex made waves in early 2020 by announcing the tokenization of himself. The Alex token represented a bet on the young entrepreneur's future and featured utility aspects, giving holders power to do several things, including vote on Alex's life decisions. Today, Alex is focused on growing Showtime, which is an NFT social network. Alex, welcome to Show Me the Crypto. Thank you so much, guys. That was wonderful. <laughs> I, I apologize about the pronunciation of your last name, but I was trying to get Perfect. it right there. So. Perfect. <laughs> nice, nice. So I saw an interview where you were talking about your interest in technology and that you've been fascinated by Steve Jobs since you were 13 years old. So since that point, have you always been interested in tech? And what point specifically did you hear about crypto and begin getting interested in crypto? Sure. Uh, great question. So I think... Yeah, Steve Jobs was kind of the inspiration phase where I was in an environment where technology was not there. And so um, I got access to computer pretty early in my life, I would say like seven or eight. And I quickly got fascinated with kind of the Elon Musk of the time, which was Steve Jobs. And so, yeah, started uh, learning about Apple, then seeing Steve Jobs keynotes, then identifying myself with Steve Jobs and reading a lot of Steve Jobs quote about ambitious, um, you know, uh, career path and, you know, having the best impact in the world and uh, really like convincing me very early on that starting a startup is the best thing I can do with my life. So that was like the initialization phase when I was very young. Um, and so like, yeah, that was way before crypto. <laughs> Actually, no, it was probably like something like 2008 or 2009. So it was basically like the start of Bitcoin, I guess. Right. Uh, but yeah. really only started getting seriously in the space in 2019 so it's pretty late like in the in the grand scheme of things like i heard about it in 2017 i i did buy a few bitcoin and ethereum in 2017 but that was basically nothing and i was not really into it and in 2019 i'm like okay let's basically reverse engineer how elon musk and steve jobs you know got so successful and and they all started especially like the the past 20 years because steve jobs is a bit old now i mean he's dead but like his story is a bit old, but like if you look at Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos, um, Elon Musk, like they all started with the internet because it's very low barriers to entry. It's very easy to break in um, and you can get very wealthy. And if you do that, then you have money to spend and time and efforts on bigger projects like building rockets or things like this. And so I'm like, okay, like what would they do today uh, that is very easy to access? that you know you can create wealth and and really do projects that impact the world right it's not for personal consumption it's not just to buy another car 
or fancy things. Like it's really to to uh, enact the, the most change possible. And so, yeah, crypto um, start of 2019. And so uh, in crypto, there's a lot of people who are really into open source, uh, but I'm really into startups and this thing that I just said, like, you know, high growth, uh, VC backed startups, et cetera. And so, um, yeah, the intersection of the two, I guess at the time was Meta Cartel. They were like consumer facing projects, like actual use cases, not just infrastructure. And Meta Cartel did a bunch of projects like Rocket, which we can talk about, which is like uh, loans against NFTs. Um, and then the Alex token, because I was broke, uh, I can talk about this as well, uh, so that I can I, free myself to be in the United States and start my startup. And uh, I, went to my, <laughs> I went to the United States and did my startup. So the Alex token, I guess, mission was successful. And, uh, and here I am today. And so, yeah, a year and a half of crypto almost two years, uh, but it's been a blast and I'm super happy to be here. Yeah, we want to jump into so many of those things you touched on. But another thing I, I've heard you say in the past, which I think is really interesting, kind of two parts of this. First off, that you feel like Silicon Valley is sleeping on crypto a little bit. And also that one of the things that appealed to you about crypto was the low barrier to entry and the ability to jump right in. Do you mind kind of expanding on both of those? For sure. So Silicon Valley sleeping on crypto. Well, the funny thing, like we're in, you know, March 2021. Um, they're probably not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the NFT boom is happening and it's the first time that uh, people care about crypto outside of crypto. I just remember being uh, in really, really high circles of Silicon Valley in 2019, 2020, and even very, very smart people was like, I don't get it. I don't think this is ready yet. Like we see the potential, but it's a lot of theory. And in practice, no one cares. Um, and I think I was saying this because like, as someone, I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm not privileged, but like as an outsider of the technology industry in San Francisco, as a person born in France and probably like, probably should have done like consulting or, or, or like some more traditional career. Uh, for me, crypto was like a good arbitrage because I was early on in my career. I had basically nothing to show. And so getting there early was fine. But Silicon Valley, the people in Silicon Valley, they're already like quite successful and well-connected. And so they did not need to take that career risk. So I kind of, I matured a bit now and I'm like, it, it makes rational sense, right? Like when you can get access to VC money and things like this, like unless crypto is completely booming, you don't need to enter the crypto space. Um, and so, but but now now they are now they are very interested uh, in crypto, and everyone is jumping in. Like I have a few months head start, I guess, with Showtime. But the NFT space is about to get extremely crowded, uh, and the DeFi space even more now that people are realizing everything. So, um, so yeah, Silicon Valley is not sleeping anymore on crypto. And the second question, uh, what was it again? <laughs> the low barrier to entry, kind of like oh, yeah, why that was appealing. Well. Yeah. Yeah, again, it was beginning to me because I'm an, I'm an outsider. Like it's, um, th there was, it was really hard to, you know, get to that environment of investors, founders, world-class product people. And it's still a, a, a battle to get to that environment. Like I'm in Paris right now, you know, there's COVID, like this, there's some hard things that life is, is, is putting in front of me that I have to overcome. Um, and so because of this, entering um, an industry that will then boom is perfect because I can train myself. I can find time to find the best people before it goes mainstream. And when it goes mainstream, I kind of go mainstream as a founder as well. Uh, 
And we see this happening this year, and that's my biggest dream. But so far, my growth has been super satisfying. I'm super happy with my career, but there's so much more I can do. Um, and yeah, like I'm basically following crypto growth as my, like my personal growth and crypto growth. And I think this is a lot of young founders are thinking along the same lines. It's like, oh, I am not ready to be a world-class founder. I'm going to train myself in crypto. And by the time I'm ready and like I am super experienced and, and like, you know, more um, more talented than ever, then uh, crypto will boom at the right time and I can leverage that growth. So, yeah. Uh, going to something Wade already mentioned a bit in your bio and you touched on is the Alex token. Could you just go back to uh, more about what started? What was the concept behind the Alex token and uh, how did it all play out? For sure. So um, it's actually pretty crazy. And I've told that story a couple of times, but like um, I was in uh, the Bay Area in a coding school in like mid 2019. Um, and I was getting started. I learned a lot about crypto at the time. I was in a school that was free rent and like a, a fellowship for young entrepreneurs paid my flight. So like I was broke, but I found a way to live in the Bay Area for free. Um, and so at the time, ironically, I'm European. Like there was a massive conference in Europe happening. And what I did is um, I just tweeted, if I had a limited money, I would go to Berlin because it sounds like such a cool conference. And Peter Pan from It's a Cartel sent me the money um, just from that tweet. Hmm. And Peter Pan, it was the bear market. Everyone was poor. Uh, <laughs> and basically he told me like, we need to tokenize our debt. We need to do something kind of funny because I don't have money to pay um, you. Like I was just being generous. Uh, and, and later down the line, like you should do the same to someone else. Um, and so we tokenized it and then roll a social token startup gets in touch and is like, wow, like, you know, you've, you've done this. Uh, this is, this is pretty incredible. Like, uh, we are doing a company where people tokenize themselves the same way, but instead of just your debt, it can be your entire community and you can do lots of things with it. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, like I'm here to innovate. I have nothing to lose. Let's do it. And for six months, like nothing happens because it's just like a buy for your time, uh, with like X tokens. And it's not that huge because like no one knows me. Uh, there's no people, if people want to get in touch, um, it's that they can, and I'm super happy to take the time because I'm here to learn. Um, and so, yeah, fast forward six months later, um, COVID happens. Um, I am broke for multiple reasons because of COVID, my only like marketing salary that I, that I managed to get in before March 2020 for like two months or three months was, uh, cut. Um, I also lose a lot of money in DeFi because DeFi is very dangerous. Uh, and I was in a DEX aggregator and I did not look at the slippage because I was like, the DEX is going to minimize slippage. Um, so I lost a lot of money on, on a trade. And so I had basically $2,000 in my bank account. I was living in my parents' house and I was like, wow, like, is this, is this over? Like I'm, I'm annoyed because I'm growing quite well. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to fundraise $20,000 with the Alex token. Um, and I did it and in three days it sold out. And then I did a lot of other experiments than this one. So this one is a income sharing agreement for 15% of my future income for the next three years. So, you know, it's like expedition of income for a tiny, tiny, tiny amount, uh, done in France outside of the United States. Um, and it, it went well. And from then, 
like the media splash made it so that it encouraged me to do other use cases. Like you could vote with a token, one token, one vote on my life in July. I did this with Austin Griffiths, who's an amazing developer at the Ethereum Foundation. Um, and I did other things like a Telegram group chat or a newsletter, but that's kind of like the story of the Alex token. It, it kind of helped me grow uh, like my public facing persona. And, and I used that as um, a bad signal to attract talent for me to found my company because the, the reason of the Alex token was I want to create a company in San Francisco and raise funding. And it's it's hard to do this as someone from Harris who's broke and like who 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 doesn't have that many connections. I was getting connections, but it's just like the fact that it grew my profile because it was seen as innovative was really, really helpful to me. And the 30 backers of the Alex token are really amazing. It's like the founder of MetaMask or the founder of Zora, um, the, the the founder of CoinGecko, and a lot of really great people. And I'm really glad I did it. And uh, it's it's crazy to look back because I was so in pain for losing like I don't know six thousand dollars from that DeFi protocol, bring my net worth from eight k to two k, um, and and I'm like wow. In retrospect, that was the best thing that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. If I still had ten thousand dollars, I would have not uh, raised twenty thousand dollars. I would have thought to myself like oh well ten k it'll be tied, but like ETH is gonna go up. I'd have like a little bit more and just enough to move to SF. That would have been a terrible life. I made it so much easier for myself by innovating with the Alex token. I just didn't know at the time. That's such a clever concept and talking about like looking at a tough situation and making the most of it. And it actually turned out being better yeah. uh, from a transparency point of view. How does that work? So, I mean, people are entitled or a certain number of people who invested early are entitled to 15% of your salary over the next three years. How do they know what you're making? Right. So the Alex token um, is, you know, crypto is very early and it was not perfectly done. There's like different types, like basically I fundraised $20,000 against like, I think 1 million Alex or 2 million Alex. I actually forgot. Um, and they got those tokens and I'm like, I'm giving those tokens as a gift, um, but they don't really do anything. It's like the fact that you completed that Google form at the time that I will note you and I will airdrop my money. And, you know, it's really weird because I never had a job in my life. Like I just started as co-founder and CEO of, of my company and that's my first ever job in salary. And so I guess now like my income is going to be much easier to, to understand. But basically what I said is like quickly after I got some partnerships and stuff and like, you know, my image grew so it was easier to leverage my, my, my profile for marketing purposes before I was funding my startup. And, and that helped me uh, pay people from the income sharing. But what I considered income was the off-ramp. I just don't really have another, like a lot of tokens are really high prices, but they're very illiquid and some are vested. And so how can I quantify my income? It's, it's really hard. And so it's really like, how much do I spend to live my life? And, and this is what I'm actually spending and this is the money that I'm doing. And so this is what I've done. And so far, like they're kind of like, they agree with it. And now it's going to be my salary as a CEO. It's going to be much easier. Um, and, and I can't say numbers, but like they're probably going to do like three X or something. Like it's the bar was actually pretty low uh, because 15% for three years, like I had to make more than $55,000 a year. Like it's not crazy low, but it's like, I'm, I think I will be over it on average 
Um, so good for them. Uh, thanks for believing in me early. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept because a lot of the people, especially early on, who got into Bitcoin and blockchain, are people who have trust issues and that kind. Of, and but this kind of concept, I would imagine that there's got to be some level of of trust in in you and the fact that you're going to be upfront about it. But I think also that it wouldn't make sense for you to run this as a scam because you put your name behind it and everything along those lines. So yeah. Exactly. So this is basically the insight of this experiment, which is one, my reputation is my collateral. And this is why if you are anonymous, like the day as an anonymous person that your reputation takes a hit, you just basically are incentivized to exit scam mm -hmm. because the work you put in into someone that will never have a good reputation, if you're hit, you're just going to exit scam. That's the incentive. That's how it works. If you're even a good person, will be screwed and this is like the the blockchain incentives and that that's just life um so my reputation was my collateral like i cannot cheat my entire life is is my blockchain career if 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 i fuck up then frankly like i it's 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 so so bad for my career um so this and then you know but that's the case for me but what about millions of people and billions of people who will create their tokens they can't do that system it doesn't scale because we will just have scammers like the ico boom um this is why i'm building showtime because showtime in the roadmap we are we are reasoning uh i can't share uh yet but there will be a way that will make sure that it's actually pegged in the blockchain and you don't have to trust someone blindly hmm. And I definitely want to talk about Showtime a little more. But before we get to that, um, just a couple more questions around the Alex token. So, I mean, originally you had this idea for, uh, you know, people to purchase the token. They gain um, a percentage of your total income. But you mentioned a couple other utilities or a couple other um sort of devices you you utilize the token for can you explain some of those a little further yeah so um after a few months with the alex token i really got close to this really amazing incubator called seed club which is kind of like a, an incubator for social tokens which is a number of term for personal tokens like the alex token and community tokens like karma which is the community of investors or friends with benefits who's a community of people in Web3 and Silicon Valley and LA uh, entertainment scene um, and, and, and other communities like this. And from those, I realized that there's this company called Collab Land, uh, which enables you to have a Telegram chat or a Discord group um, or, or there's tools like um, Mirror Protocol for blogs. And, and so with those tools, uh, which are Web3 native, you can say, if you have enough tokens, you unlock a service and people want access to experiences. Like money is a means to an end. And I think this is what we learned. And it's, it's pretty interesting because um, a lot of things like, yeah, karma and stuff are, are, are doing pretty well. I, I think there still needs to be uh, perhaps some money aspect to it. Like, um, like for instance, like a price of a newsletter, like the revenue will be tokenized or something. Um, so backing tokens by revenue and money is still good, but I feel like holding tokens for access a service is probably the future. And that's very interesting. Yeah, actually, 
it's funny that you say that because for me personally, I've taken part in and it's quite popular these days, um, like launch pads and the ability to stake a token. And then because you're staking, you now have the opportunity to, um, you know, to basically get in early on these new token launches. And I'm just using that as one example, but it's an example that's uh, relates back to what you're saying, where it's not about buying and selling. It's it's holding those tokens, but but more than just holding, because holding alone is boring. It's like, OK, I can just stake these tokens, but that's no fun. Then I just forget about them and, and what. However, if you can hold something and get something in return and now you you now you get a community, you get engagement. Um, I think that goes to it goes back to what you're saying about, you know, it's not just about the transaction. There's more to it. Yeah, totally. I think even with the NFT boom or like the fact that a token gives you a service if you hold it, uh, is unlocking a ton of potential because we are realizing that basically in the world, no one really cares about money too much. People just don't really care about money. We all say we want money, but that's a means to an end. And for the first time, like NFT is a boom for a consumer because NFT is art and culture, which virtually every single human on the planet cares about. Everyone likes movies, books, um, art, like the rich or poor, like wherever you are, you care about art and culture. And so um, the money aspect makes it easier than ever to transact, et cetera. But again, like this entire technology is a means to an end. Like people just don't care about money. They care about culture. And so, yeah, thinking about new use cases is critical to get mass adoption because people will not, people don't understand DeFi uh, or, or they are intrigued by Bitcoin if they are tech enthusiasts. Uh, but like this is, this is how we get mass adoption. It's showing people what can be done with finance rather than showing finance itself. Alf, do you realize that our audience has either been watching or listening to this episode for 20 minutes? 20 minutes? They should probably subscribe. Yeah, they should subscribe and they should like and comment and hit that notifications bell. Oh, and did you tell them about the NFTs? That's right. We have our own NFT for our OG supporters. This is a way you can support our show, help us bring you continual great content. Information on that is below. So Alex, you've mentioned Showtime a couple of times in our conversation. What exactly is that? So Showtime is a social network to show off your NFTs. And so what that means is if you have some crypto media, NFT, collectible memes, photo videos that are, you know, electronically signed on the blockchain, um, you can make it, you know, easy to be discovered and also showcase them on your profile. It's kind of like an Instagram for NFTs. Um, we are live next Tuesday. I'm not sure what will be the podcast recording or, or release, uh, but it's it's pretty exciting because you know a lot of NFT marketplaces are are booming right now. Foundation, Zora, Makerspace, and on Showtime we aggregate all of those. And if you want to show off your NFT, uh, you can log in on Showtime and you will see your NFT from all platforms. And you can really create your profile with the NFT that you created, that you own. If you bought some, and even you can like NFT. Um, you can also share your profile and share NFTs as well. So yeah, we're kind of thinking a step ahead of like, right now it's buying and selling NFT that gets people excited, but soon it will be more about like, oh, like what do 
I like, which NFT do I like? Like curation in the NFT space will be really, really needed, especially as NFT will become free to mint and upload and, and, and like very easy to trade very soon. And so for that reason, there's going to be a lot of NFTs and we need something to, to be able to create, follow NFT creators. We have a follow feature. Uh, so all of those stuff. So really trying to make a social network rather than a marketplace. But that's really needed. Like we plug into those marketplaces. That's the power of crypto, right? We compose on top of all of the marketplaces to make it a great experience to um, just enjoy the NFT space and and really have a, a creation layer where you can like and, and share. Yeah. And is that something that exists today? Like, do you have competition um, or is that is this kind of you're not really aware of any competition at the moment? Um. So I think a lot of NFT projects overlap in some ways, like right. um, some projects like Foundation or Rarible, they also have a follow button, a like button. I think um, the competition is about to get insanely heated because of the, the hype that non-crypto OGs that were just you know normal entrepreneurs discovering the space were like, oh, let's jump in. Uh, so we're going to have more competition for sure. One thing is that Crypto is an amazing land of opportunities. And what I mean is like the, the white space is enormous. So sure, there probably will be bigger platforms than others. But what I mean, if, if you execute hard, there are so many ideas that are worth really, really valuable protocols that everyone will find their ways. Like a lot of people were like, oh, you know, Zora and Foundation are super competitors. They're competing, et cetera. For a long time, they launched at the same time last year. They're both our NFT marketplaces, but Zora is kind of being like the Tumblr of NFT and like the protocol to power Mirror or to power Catalog.Works. And, and Foundation is more like the, the virtual Christie's, like the, the gallery for art uh, to be bought on auction at a very high price. Showtime is more like the Instagram. So what I mean is right now, every NFT platform is going their own direction. Mm. And I don't think there's direct competition just yet, but each category will get heated competition for sure. But there's a lot of categories. So you're you're the founder of this, correct? Founder of Showtime. And like, so start it, like it's a great idea coming up with that, but what's the, the implementation phase from there? Like I know you've mentioned you have these strategic partnerships and that kind of thing, but like to get this thing off the ground, because that's, you know, first off, congrats, because that's a very like visionary thing to know that you had to be working on this in advance to know, to get it to this point at this time when it is just, perfectly like you said Gary Vaynerchuk every second tweet is about an NFT right now right it's it's just all everyone's hyped on it um so how many people are kind of like behind the project what does your team look like to actually implement this um right now officially two employees uh, we have more contractors and freelancers uh, that, that 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 are working or worked on this previously um so yeah the team is i would say pretty lean we just started like in december uh, but yeah, as you said, great timing. I think in December, I was pitching investors, you know, the NFT space is booming. It went from $100,000 to $20 million in three months. And turns out it's probably like half a billion dollar right now, yeah. which I thought would be the case at the end of the year, but not in March. So probably will be like a couple billions at the end of the year, which is which is insane, but totally deserved. Um, like, I mean, I, I like the, the, the reason why I'm visionary, I guess, is because in July 2020, the data shown, showed that the NFT space is exponential. But it was still a hard case. So it went from 100K, 500K, 1 million. It was still tiny. And I'm like, okay, this is going exponential. And NFT are consumer-facing. 
So like something will happen. Like there needs to be like a huge peak or hype. Like it has to happen simply because something that's growing exponentially and that is inherently consumer facing by some of the biggest stars in the world, Justin Bieber has an NFT, Cardi B has an NFT, the NBA league has, has NFTs with NBA Top Shot. It's like, there is no way the world doesn't know about this. And so actually, if I knew, like I would have started even earlier this platform, but like great timing and like we're enjoying uh, the attention. So this is cool. How do you see it like in the big, like in the macro, I guess, because like, there's kind of two sides to this, like rhetoric wise, right? Some people are saying, oh, it's it's overhyped, which may be true, like that kind of like initial bubble phase where there's just so much hype rushing in that people think if you own an NFT, you can sell anything, you're going to make money on it kind of thing. Um, so, so do you see that? Do you think we're in this kind of mini bubble and then things will settle down and then eventually we'll have this steady growth with NFTs being the inevitable future? Right. Yeah. Um, usually the, the bubble, each cycle and, and bubbles is about like media headlines uh, and people getting burned out of it and like just not liking it anymore. And so I guess right now the headlines that people will get bored about is, oh, X piece of art just went for X million dollars, uh, like Beeple, who sold for $69 million to Metacoven, um, who's a short-time user and I really love Metacoven. Um, and but like, to be honest, at Showtime, like we always, our thesis was always that NFT is more than buying and selling. It's like a social thing. And we need to be on the social network, not simply a marketplace. So I kind of feel like we already know what's past the hype. At least we are working towards it. Like we don't, you cannot buy an NFT or sell an NFT on Showtime. It's just about displaying and it's more than this. And funny enough, the past week, a lot of people realized this. Because I feel like blockchain is a technology that grew faster than people's mindsets. And so like NFTs have been there for years, but it's only now because of, because people that people care about it. And, and, and likewise, like now that people understand, okay, NFT is a cool thing. It's a digital item I can own and thus I can sell. Because of this, now like the past week or two, a lot of people said like, oh, but where can I show it off now? Like I want to display it like do I have a profile? Like, am I going to do that on foundation or is there like another platforms for like all my different platforms? And so I kind of feel like um, the need is going to grow. So exciting. Yeah. And talking about displaying NFTs. So as I understand it with Showtime right now, you kind of compared it to maybe the Instagram of, of displaying NFTs. Will it ever expand? Do you have a vision for it to expand into other areas, even potentially like physical displays um, that maybe maybe it's like a, you know, photo hardware device and it just, you know, slides through or something. I know some of those already exist. Is that something that's on the roadmap for Showtime at all? Um, that's super interesting. I think physical NFTs are fascinating. There is this company called Infinite Objects, I think which displays NFT on your wall and like you can collect your wallet and you can, you can have your NFT and for like 3d artists who do, who do loops. Um, it's, it's very interesting and beautiful to, to put on your wall. I do think though, that it's a kind of small use case because, you know, like you have to be a buyer of NFT. You have to be knowledgeable in crypto. You have to, you have to need to like traditional art and the way you display it on a wall. And I think that, you know, between, putting something on the wall for your friends to see or on a screen for the world to see, probably people would want the latter. Um, and so I, I will probably, uh, we will probably stay digital at, at your time, but it's, it's, it's exciting uh, that people are doing this because 
it actually means that like NFTs are eating traditional art as well. So this is cool. All right, Alex, here's my pitch to you. Uh, I got an idea. You don't got to sign an NDA. You don't got to pay me any money for it. But uh, TVs. So there's a TV. I think it's a Samsung. I don't know. I could be totally wrong with the brand. But there's a TV. It's called The Frame, I believe. And it's this interesting new TV that when it's not on, it will display uh, artwork. And it looks, it literally looks like a frame, like a, like, like an like art framed um, when it's in that mode. And I'm just thinking right now, what if a TV like that could tie in to display your NFT art? And now you don't have to go buy that separate device. You just have the TV at home because it's an awesome TV, but it's tied in through an app that then allows you to just you know, sign into your Showtime account and it will now load in your NFT art and you don't have to have a special device. You've already got your TV in your home. So there's the idea. You go partner with the TV brands <laughs> and uh, you get that sorted out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, as I said before, Steve Jobs is my idol. Like if, if in the roadmap in the near future, we can do um, the Showtime app on, on Apple TV, I would be delighted to do so. It's not... <laughs> priority on our roadmap, but definitely it's exciting because people already have screens. If this can be like the, you know, uh, the standby screen, I guess, when you're outside and this can be really beautiful. I agree. Um, just jumping in more to the functionality because you said, so this episode, by the time it's released, Showtime should be live. If, it, if you're releasing next Tuesday, we're recording this mid-March. Um, from a functionality, so is it is it very similar to Instagram in the sense you have your own profile page, you have a discovery mode, you follow other people, your newsfeed is built on their latest NFTs. And then, so that's the first part. The second part is, is there some sort of connection? I know that you're not selling, it's not a marketplace. However, if somebody is displaying something that is also for sale, is there a possibility to connect directly from that app to the marketplace? Um, yeah, 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 there is. Um, you can uh, view any item on OpenSea, mm -hmm. which is uh, the easiest platform because it displays every NFT as well. Um, Social time is more like the Instagram and NFT is more like the Google for NFT because it indexes every NFT. It's really a, a way to really filter it down. And so it's really good to have this kind of like Wikipedia uh, of all NFT with all their properties. Um, so I really like OpenSea and I think they're doing really great. Um, so yeah, you can, you can do that. And I think hopefully in the future, we will have some buying and fee and selling. It's just like not something that we're going to raise just yet, yeah. uh, but but hopefully soon. Um, and yeah, uh, for the Instagram of NFTs, we're going to have more social features. As you said, Newsfeed is exciting um, so that you can follow an artist wherever they drop their NFT uh, because they, they shouldn't be, you know, bound into one platform because NFTs are free of platforms. And so Showtime will just display whatever platform their NFT is. And yeah. Um, yeah, that seems exciting, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But um, it's uh, it's cool. Yeah, you, you hmm. got it right. And in regards to uh, you know going back to the discussion around NFTs and whether we're in a boom and where's it gonna go, I mean, right now, as much as it is booming, um, and if we're in a bubble or not, the fact remains that currently all the hype is around basically two types of media. It's either 
artwork in the form of graphics or you could argue uh, like videos and collectibles uh, or it's um, or it's music, basically, as far as I know. Um, And blockchain gaming is a subject we've touched on with a number of our guests so far that just really I mean, it exists. There's blockchain games, but it hasn't hit the mainstream the same way these other uh, digital collectibles have. Do you think that when blockchain gaming inevitably blows up, you know, how will something like Showtime work in with skins or things you can buy in games and those types of NFTs? Or will it will that just be kind of separate and it won't really play a part in that? Um, no, that's a very interesting question. I think um, so. So far, there are some good games, some great games um, in um, in the NFT space. There is, for instance, uh, Coin Artist who's an amazing uh, game uh, CEO who uh, has this game called Neon District. Um, I think gaming is kind of different. You know, it's it's much, much higher maintenance. Like you have to create your own game um, because there's a lot of trading, et cetera, much more than the traditional art world. Like you need to be on like another layer, like not, not on layer two, not on uh, Ether mainnet. And so makes it hard to, to put it on on Showtime or other assets. Um, and yeah, I think also like, yeah, gaming is just so much harder. Like, you know, doing music or art, you put it on, on the NFT, that's fine. But like gaming has a logic, fan base and stuff. And right now gamers, probably most game developers are just not interested in blockchain too much, but it's going to happen uh, definitely. And yeah, like Fortnite skins should be NFTs. Um, it, it would make sense. and interoperability between games would be really cool. Like, oh, I have my skin on Fortnite. Now I can I can use it for like, I don't know, like Super Smash Bros. Brawl or something. And it would be pretty uh, pretty cool to see that and um, have an open standard. And it will be like literally designer of, of skins that are not Fortnite developers, which would be super funny to see. Uh, and Fortnite will just get like royalties from that or something. And so uh, the the... The design space is huge and definitely, yeah, like Showtime could be the portal for all things NFTs. And so that can include not just art, but also memes, photos, videos, and game items as well. And jumping back a little bit more into the, the world of social tokens again and how a social token and NFTs, I mean, they can often work together. And we've seen that emerge a little bit with um, artists who aren't just selling their artwork, but they're selling experiences along with that. So um, whether that's, say, a musician who may be selling their music in the form of NFTs, but they may also be selling, um, you know, an experience with with them, uh, you know, so that they can engage with their fans. Is that something that you see uh, ever evolving and becoming more popular as well? Yeah, for sure. I think um right now artists and fans uh, especially because of covid they can't tour they can't see each other uh, there's a huge need for like having a stronger bond between your fans as an artist um and so there's going to be tons of ways of, of using nfts and social tokens um to kind of grow together you know like artists usually say uh on, on instagram or other social media like oh i would be nothing without my fans thank you so much I love you all, etc. And it kind of displays some kind of not shame or awkwardness, but they kind of know that they are getting to the superstar status and the fans got nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a lot of, you know, artists 
um, going from their small niche and their OG fans. And when they go to claim fame, then the OG fans are like, oh, like that's a sellout. Like we don't like him anymore or like her anymore. And, and with NFTs or social tokens, like they will become billionaires, millionaires, sorry, not, maybe, maybe not billionaires, <laughs> but, hey, but, they will become, <laughs> but, but they will become millionaires because they would have supported the artist early. The artist would have said, you know, like I'm giving my very early fans some, some royalties on my future work. Uh, and there's going to be tons of variations of this and tons of different applications, but one way to make really them grow together would be huge. Uh, and that would allow also like, you know, a, a random kid uh, in India or wherever in the world they are to be able to like spot artists early and being like an artist manager online. And that does not need to be super well connected in, in like Hollywood or anything. And so uh, that would be super interesting to really let anyone in the world uh, invest in artists early um, and, and, and really reap some of the value that they created. Like if you helped an artist and you shared their work, uh, you probably need like, you probably should receive a tiny bit of royalties. Like the way we distribute wealth in the world is not perfect and crypto makes it so much easier. And so like, yeah, like something enormous is usually created by way more people than entrepreneurs and investors. And so it's about time that we replicate the model uh, to to every other professions, not just like the entrepreneurs and and the founders and yeah. In terms of metrics, do you have goals that you're hoping, like in terms of the number of users on Showtime, are that you're trying to hit by like the end of 2021 or anything along those lines? One one billion users, I think. What, that was that B or M? B. <laughs> okay, nice, <laughs> nice, love it. Um, yeah, I, the, the thing is, it's so hard to predict users um, because, like, I think product market fit is, like, usually goes wild and, like, it can go way worse than we think or way better than we think. Like, the NFT space went way higher than most people think very fast. And so, likewise, for us, like, we are in English. A lot of people can understand the website. How many people can be on Showtime? We don't know. What we do know, though, is that we read blockchain data. And every address is technically an account on Showtime. Mm. Every address that owns an NFT. And I think we counted something like a few hundred thousand. Mm. So technically, there are a few hundred thousand accounts on Showtime, but they just, they just don't know it yet, right? And then there's the long tail of people who want to break into the space, and they will create their first NFT and account on Showtime. And so that can bring way more people than a few hundred thousand. So I just, I just can't say um, I aim the, the highest number possible and we'll see what happens. That's awesome. Alex, there's been so much value in this episode, but we like to end every episode of Show Me the Crypto with the same three question segment called Thanks. You Had Me at Crypto. So Ulf's going to ask you those questions. All right, Alex, who's your favorite person to follow in the crypto space? Um, Interesting question. I think I would say um, Brian Flynn. I really, really like Brian Flynn. So Brian Flynn worked at Dapper Labs. Now he's at Rabbit Hole. And, and basically, like, some people say, like, oh, like, you're a bit of a, of a visionary. Like, a couple of times I kind of anticipated a trend. 
Brandon Flynn is just another level. Like mm. he literally sold like uh, a medium piece for eighty thousand dollars <laughs> uh, because he was talking about crypto art in twenty seventeen and how this can change the game, etc. <laughs> He's always so 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 early at spotting trends, uh, and so you know you can you can follow some like you know basic pump like introducing yourself to crypto, but Brian Flynn is like the person that probably knows consumer crypto more than most. So I would recommend following him. Cool. What will the price of Bitcoin be 10 years from now? What's the price right now? 60K? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, I would say 10 years from now, I would say um, $1 million. It's the popular answer. That's yeah. what most, yeah. most of our guests right. have said 1 million, exactly, yeah. Yeah, right. 1 million seems... Uh, seems good, which actually, if you look at it, like it's not that high because it means like what, like a 12x, 11x from, mm -hmm. from today. And it's like, of course, 11x is like enormous international finance, but in the next 10 years, you are going to find so many investments that will return way more than 11x, uh, which makes me so much more bullish on Ethereum and like the actual applications that will grow more. So we don't usually ask this as part of the question segment, but I'm going to throw it your way because you're so smart with NFTs. What will the most expensive NFT over the next 10 years go for in US dollars? Um, so I can't say uh, publicly, but like a very, very popular figure in, in pop culture is going to do an NFT very soon. Um, and I would say that probably it will be something around like a billion dollars probably for the most expensive NFT, probably a billion dollars is okay. Like for a single piece, it, it might, some might sell for bigger, but it will be something different in the future. Like if an NFT represents like a company uh, and a company sells for another one to like a couple of billion dollars. And technically since NFT is anything that is not money, like, you know, if it's not a cryptocurrency, it will be an NFT in the future. And so simply because of this, it will probably go bonkers. But if we stay in like the digital art collectibles, like one thing, I would say probably above a billion dollars will be surprising to me. But around that range, like between a hundred million dollars and a billion dollars, definitely we're going to see some sell for that price. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we're not far off. Now. Yeah, we're already at 69 million. Yeah. Yeah, 69 million. And that's just the start. Um, yeah, like 7804 by CryptoPunk, like the rarest CryptoPunk of all. Uh, there's a few contenders. People probably is going to evaluate in price. Uh, I remember talking to Illustrator and Metacoven, the, the collectors of people, and they were like, oh, you know, I bought it for 700K, but like, I'm, I'm sure that people would be worth like tens of millions of dollars in 10 years. And, and that was just like 10 days later. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So, uh, so yeah, definitely we'll, we'll go to a billion dollars or, or near there. All right. What's the most underrated coin or project in crypto? Other than Showtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a very interesting question. Um, the most underrated project. Uh, so far, I'm very excited about potentially Coinvise. It's a social token platform that basically no one knows about, but it's my friend, Janelle. And Janelle is amazing, an amazing engineer. And uh, Coinvise is coming to social tokens, and uh, probably it's it will be the next wave after um, you know will be the next wave after NFTs, and so social tokens, Coinvise, um, Coinvise.co um, is 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 something to watch. I would say. 
Awesome. Alex, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Show Me the Crypto. Thank you so much, guys. That was super fun. And uh, yeah, like, let's let's talk later. Um, Yeah, that was super exciting. Thank you for listening to Show Me the Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.